Yo, what's happening, John Fitch? And uh, it's uh, John Fitch Knows Nothing here on a beautiful Sunday night. This happens to be Christmas Eve. I didn't know if I was going to do a show, but I was like, why not? There's no fights or nothing, but <clears throat> I figured uh, there'd be plenty of people out there who maybe just wanted to shoot the shit on a Sunday night. And I probably just got demonetized because it cussed in the first 30 seconds. Woo! Modernity. Isn't it great? Um, I got the ukulele out. And I don't practice enough or play enough anymore. I forgot, like, all my songs, man. It's a sad state. I'm going to make some changes, I think, this year. 2024 is going to be my year, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Hope you guys are doing good. I got some uh, some paps drinking the blue ribbon. I got some coffee. Just chilling. I do not have uh, the kids until tomorrow morning. They'll be over for uh, breakfast and uh, presents. We're doing the presents. So I got everything wrapped up. Might have one or two left to wrap up tonight. But we'll be uh, stuffing the tree up tonight, or Santa will. It's going to be a merry, merry Fitchmas. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody's doing well. We've had quite the year in MMA. Holy moly. Holy moly. Uh, I had the sound on on one of the other windows. Holy moly. I've been watching uh, Fargo, this, the, the series. It's pretty good. We're in the first season. Don't spoil, no spoilers. Uh, but I'm digging it. Billy Bob did a good job. Pretty good, pretty good cast. The old uh, Tom uh, Hanks son. It's kind of not that great. He always kind of plays the same soft character, you know. Let's see some. Uh, let's see some range, buddy. But I can. Uh, I can say it's uh, it's been a good year. Not great, but good. Oh, look at this. Christmas came early. Coach Gloy in the house. We've been doing work. Been uh, teaching him the Fitch Mash system. He's helping me develop it. And then uh, we got a lot to go. We got I got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of writing to do. I got a lot of filming to do. We're figuring out some bumps and kinks and stuff here. But it's coming well. It's coming along well. If you guys are in the uh, Fort Wayne area, check out Sudden Impact. Did a seminar, a couple seminars there uh, this last summer. And I'll be back more likely this summer and maybe sooner. We'll see. One of the reasons I haven't been traveling much, as much, uh, last like year, year and a half. Well, I mean the COVID thing. But I actually traveled quite a bit during the COVID thing because people had secret seminars and stuff in their, in their supposedly closed gyms. But, um, yeah, we, uh, the, the, the place I boarded my dog, I have a large dog, 130 pounds, 125, 30 pounds. Uh, he's a sweetheart, but he's, if he gets reared up, you know, if he wants to go that direction, he's taking you unless you can handle him. And, uh, he's not really scared of anybody but me. So it's not easy for me to leave him places. And the place I was boarding him was really nice. It was called Wagley, but it burnt down. The Home Depot, like the building next door to it burnt. And they that place burnt down and they shut it down. So 
uh, I did find a new place though. It took a while. I found a new place and it's nice. And he did great and they liked him. So it should be easier to travel with him now. I was going to talk about upcoming fights too, but I don't see anything listed for upcoming fights with UFC. Is it really that long until they have another another fight that they don't have anything booked or put up? I, I Googled it, and on Google, it goes to 296 and then ends. <laughs> there's, there's no more. Hmm. Or wait, okay. Maybe there is. Okay, never mind. I found it. There's a button that says 224 in or 2024. So these are probably um, projected fights. Oh, that's not even a full card. Yeah, I guess it is. But what is this? This is Walker and Ankalev 2. <clears throat> Phil Hawes, Fieria. Um, I don't know. That's not a crazy. Gabriel uh, Benitez, a.k.a. guy, Jim Miller. Gabriel finally getting a fight. Mowgli. Ovilaski is fighting again with uh, Cortez Acosta. That's last fight of the prelim card, which still is weird to me. I understand. I understand that. The viewership is different you know these guys get pushed on different platforms and get seen different places so there's still a lot of eyeballs that do see the the top fight of the prelim card i guess but it always it always feels like lesser it always feels like they're sliding you a little bit like you're not good enough for the main card you're not not enough eyeballs none of people care type of thing but i guess it's different it's changed i'm an old man stuck in my old ways the music today, get me started. Michael, I did not see, uh, I didn't see the Wilder fight, but he did say he did ayahuasca and he's at peace with his life in the world now. And I guess that's good for him, but kind of sucks for boxing, <laughs> right? Isn't it? It kind of like, I don't know. Is he still going to? fight with the same ferocity or is that just kind of like downplayed whatever there's a certain time i don't know man certain certain period time of your career i think you can just not not care as much it's like what's the point i don't know and there may be also a lot of heavily loaded ego investments in being the the absolute best boxer and then if you get knocked down a peg and people aren't really seeing you as that top that's a good point too, Fitness Ninja. Bingo. Wilder is also 38 years old. And he's a large man. We always have to you have to take that into account. Big guys have a harder time. You know, they have can have a much harder time with with stuff. That's a, that's what's coming up. Strickland in the South African, late January. I think, I don't know, I think he can do it. I think he beats Strickland. I kind of do. Just saying, I, I think I, I think that's where we're at. I think he can beat him.
Yeah, so he is. He's older. He's a little older, and you get hit, you get knocked out, you get some damage. Uh, hard sparring takes a little bit more out of you, harder to recover. 38, that's that's a long – and, man, like, when you look at olden times, how much guys used to fight and the lack, the, the less technology that we have today – like 38, that's old as hell. How many guys really fought until they're in 38? Pre 90s, pre the 90s, pre like how other how many other um old guys? I know there was always there's foreman and there's some other guys, you know. George actually had kind of interesting interesting career because he kind of moved up the ranks and then fought big fights and then he stopped. I feel like he dodged a lot of damage for a while. And then he came back as an old guy. He didn't have as many cobwebs or brain cells missing. And that could have been a huge advantage for him. He still had that power, man. Ooh, George would touch you. And you would talk to Jesus. That's why he, he became a preacher. Uh, I bought a uh, a, mini, a mini Pico laser. I think it's what it's called, a Pico laser. Oh, yes, you hear me. It's close enough. Uh... Because I was trying to, I'm, lo I'm looking for removal, tattoo removal. And I called up a place and I was like, can you give me an estimate? And they're like, oh no, you got to come in. I was like, well, it's it's a 40 minute drive. And can you just give me an estimate? I'll send you a picture. You can't you look at the picture and see how big it is. It's just on my ring. It's a name on my ring or my on my on my ring finger. They're like, no, we have you have to come here and we have to give you the whole bleh, spiel. I'm just like. No, <laughs> like you've just lost my business. I have no interest in working with you. You can't do a simple, give me like $50 to 1500, like just some ballpark, anything. No, we have, you have to come in and waste 40 minutes of your life driving here and 40 minutes back. And then however long their garbage sale pitch is to get you to, to do it. Just give me the, give me the, the too long didn't read. Give me that. I want that version. I don't need the whole spiel. I don't want to be around the, the whole spiel. Caravaggio says Bernard Hopkins had a decent run too. Fun fighter. He had more than a decent run. He's legendary. And I think Hopkins was always a smart fighter. He he really played the sweet science where, you know, he, he made a point of not to get hit. He didn't want to get hit. James Tony fought for a long time too. That was his part of his thing was don't get hit, but he started getting hit a lot as he got older because he did get he ballooned up, put on a lot of weight. You know. Yep, he always did because he always had good fundamental defense, head head movement made you miss. Oh man. But yeah, guys, uh, I don't have a ton of stuff to cover today. Um, I thought we could we could do this. I don't know if you could uh, if you wanted this. You guys, would you guys want to go through a uh, a fight by fight breakdown of my career? I don't know how far we'll get or how long it will take, but I can uh, put in <coughs> the. Uh, Sure dog fight finder. 
bring up my record. They have mistakes in there that I can correct. But we can kind of go through that because uh, a lot of those olden day, old, olden time days, you guys don't know a lot about, and you didn't get to see a lot of the fights because, like, they were on VHS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to watch it on VHS, and I don't have those. Uh, I don't have those VHS things around. Pretty boy, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know where they are. I think I might have a lot of them on an old external hard drive, and I and, I, and it's broken. Like I can't. I can't access it. I can't figure out how to access it. I bought a thing you're supposed to plug into, and it works, but it, it wouldn't. I couldn't figure it out. I'm a bit of a uh, a boomer when it comes to that stuff. Um, but yeah, I can also I can also dispel the whole. You know, the first the first and only attack anybody ever has at me is never about being good or not being able to beat people. It's always you you're not exciting. Blah blah blah. And it really doesn't add up with the timeline of my career and the fights that I won the UFC until after we had major con contract disputes. Like those, those things people say about me now were never said before the, the contract disputes. But let's kind of go through some of this all stuff. I don't even know what are the big websites anymore. You know, sure dog used to be a big one, but not really anymore because they made people mad a couple times and lost access to stuff. <laughs> I'm sure that hurt them financially. Alrighty. Here we go. I'm going to share. Uh, yeah, Floodland, it was the likeness and image on the video game. But it was also because of uh, there was a merchandising agreement that was attached to that around the same time. And I, I, I we didn't want to, we didn't want to have that. Either. But, the, but the, we took a stand on the video game thing. And that was, that was the big one. All right, we can go here. I don't know how this will look. You guys even see that? Hmm. Wish there's a way to move that over. You guys see that well enough at all? Is there any way to zoom in on your screen? You guys know that? How to do that on computers? <laughs> okay, so let's do this. It's kind of like uh, the timeline's messed up a little bit, right? Because if you uh, look, they have the amateur fights down here. Mark Smolinski and Ben Euchre. These were not, if you notice the date, it's July 27th. Those are the same night. And then July 13th up here. That was my first fight, actually. My first fight was a professional fight. I fought uh, none other than Mike Pyle, who went on to fight in the UFC and had a pretty decent dang career. He was pretty tough. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing for that fight. I flew out to Vegas by myself, had no corner, had no cup. I had a terrible mouthpiece. And uh, 
I went out there and fought him. I had no corner. So uh, this guy, um, um, was Amir, cornered me. He let me borrow his cup. He let me keep it afterwards too. And then Holt, Holt McClary, whatever, the guy in the Iron Claw movie, that guy, the actor, he was in my corner. He cornered me for my very first fight. I should find that guy. And it was weird because the county, yeah, it's him. I'll put this up too. Uh, because Fight Club was big at the time. You guys remember Fight Club? That was like a thing we watched all the time. It partly got me into <laughs> fighting. But yeah, that's him. You see him right there. That's him in the Fight Club. He's one of the guys that was that. He was in that uh, Mind Hunter show also. But yeah, this guy, this guy cornered me from my very first fight. In that wild, <laughs> that was surreal. So I showed up. I didn't have a corner. This guy Amir, one of Bass Rutten's fighters, uh, he had lost to Gary Goodrich back in the day. Um. He was originally the guy I was supposed to fight first, but something fell through, and that didn't happen. I ended up fighting Mike Pyle, and then Amir cornered me. I also met uh, Brian Ebersol out at that fight, and Brian, after that fight, became my first like train regular training partner and like makeshift manager because he he took me to where the fights were. He knew where the fights were and where the promoters were, so we went out and drove to cool places. But went out first fight in Vegas. I fought in. Uh, Stardust Hotel with um <clears throat> who was it? Don Cashane. Is that guy? Was that him? Wayne Newton? I think it was Wayne Newton performed there. Don Cashane. Oh darling, Don Cashane, right? And uh <clears throat> yeah, I went out there, didn't know what I was doing. And I got into an over over under position on him pretty quickly, but tried to throw him, fell to my back, turned over, hooks in, choke, done at 235. After that, I went. What, two weeks later, we drove out to Iowa and I paid $90 to take part in the Extreme Challenge 48. It was supposed to be a eight-man tournament, but only three of us showed up. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't even supposed to be. It was just like an open tournament. Anybody who came in could come in. <laughs> Ebersol had fought for Monty Cox before. He'd uh, been that way before. He had something lined up or uh, his teammate had something lined up. I can't think. I don't think Brian fought but his teammate fought uh, Tim Sylvia in the main event. And I ended up fighting this Mark Smolinski first and beat him up pretty good. It was uh, second round. I choked him. It was, you know, you could punch a knee and kick, do everything you wanted to on your feet. But once you hit the ground, it was all open hand and no elbows. So slight changed the rules. It made it amateur. Um, and then I fought this Ben Uecker kid. And Ben Uecker was a... Monty Cox guy. He was uh, one of the um, Militich guys. And, you know, Ebersol had told me early on because we re he reached out to Monty Cox about me possibly training over there. And he's like, oh, he's got too many welterweights. Well, this was one of his welterweights. I ended up beating him. Um, they say TKO, TKO injury, but I was, I was beating him up the majority of the fight. But that was my first three fights so i went i went pro i lost i made 500 bucks and then i paid 90 bucks to fight twice in one night i finished both guys in the second round 
and uh, went on to the next fight, which was almost a month later, or about a month later, August 31st. Felix Alvarez. I follow. I fought him down in uh, Monterrey, Mexico. That was a fun, interesting event because, um, man, the trip down there. I didn't know any of these people. I had just met Ebersol. We've known each other for like two months, trained a little bit, talk on the phone some, uh, been to some fights together, and he arranged this trip into Mexico. We fly into like Albuquerque or somewhere near the border, like a border town, and then uh, I get in a car with with um, two Mexican guys I've never met before, and everybody else was in another vehicle, and we drove to Monterey. It was a pretty long drive, a few hours. And I'm just in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Mexico, driving to some fight. I had no idea what was going on, who any of these people were, and uh, it just didn't seem it didn't seem odd at all to me. You know, I didn't, um, I wasn't too concerned with it. You know what I mean? I just was so focused on fighting and doing the fight and whatever. I didn't, I didn't think like, hey man, I might get kidnapped or something. So I just uh, went, I went and fought, and I won. It was a 10-second knockout. I knocked him out. It was 10 seconds. I flew across the cage, threw a barrage of punches. He rolled over and started tapping as the ref uh, stepped in and stopped it. 10 seconds. I had a 10-second finish. That's boring, isn't it? Isn't that a boring way to fight and win? Oh, 10 seconds? Should have done it in nine. And then let's go next fight, right? <clears throat> so next fight. That's a second professional fight. So I'm one and one at that point. Two amateur tournament wins that don't count anymore because you're pro. All right. So next fight, September, right? Fighting the next month, September. The guy, Dan Hart. I beat him in the first minute. In less than a minute, a submission, standing guillotine choke. Hit him a couple times hard, snapped his head down, choke, finished. One minute. Yeah, it's totally not exciting at all, guys. That's a whole minute. People had to sit in a whole a whole minute for me to finish. Then we go um, after him. September seventh, same night. Eric ticks. Eric ticks. Okay, Eric ticks. Uh, the co the um, cooler, right? Um, comes up and. Says, yo, Fitch, the crowd loves you, man. You made him pop. Why don't you uh, fight again tonight? I'll give you 100 bucks. You know, I already made like 200 bucks right before. Ebersol looks at me and says, hey, if you don't fight him, I'm going to fight him. Oh, yeah, I need the money. <laughs> I said, I said, all right, screw it. I left my gloves on, right? I had no wraps underneath my gloves. I was borrowing somebody else's gloves. Um, there were guys clearly using some guys I saw using duct tape, wrapping their hands up. Like there was no commission, nothing, whatever. So I go out and I fight Eric Ticks. Well, uh, Ebersol goes out, fights, and then I fought after that against Eric Ticks. That was a uh, KO punch. I finished that fight in seven seconds. So seven second knockout. Seven seconds. Boring, boring, lame. Um, 
right? Two fights in one night. It's the second time I did it. Second time in what? July, August, September. Yep. Second time in three months. I fought more than one time in a night. And I fought, you know, and I even fought, I'd, I'd, I had fought in, in even counting the amateur fights. One, two, three, four, five, six, right? In six fights, including the amateur fights, I hadn't even fought in five minutes yet. Then I, uh, after the UW Ultimate Wrestling Minnesota, I linked up with Zincan Entertainment because um, the Muscle Shark, right? The Muscle Shark was there watching and he was signed with Zincan at the time. And he calls uh, Dwayne, Dwayne and um, tells him, he thinks I'm an animal, I got potential, sign this guy. So we signed. So we start talking and... I decide to move out to, not move out to, but could take a trip. Me and Eversol took a week-long trip over, over trip over Thanksgiving break from school and went out there to train at AKA. Um, it was great. It was the first time I sparred, so I had six six fights, four pro, two amateur, and I had never sparred before. So my seventh fight, I actually had, um, you know, probably probably five rounds of sparring four rounds because it was only a week. We were only in, in town for a week. So I got some sparring in for that. That was good. And then me and uh, Wilson Govea, if you haven't seen that fight, go, go look up the hook and shoot um, fight. All right. I, I'm actually going to look it up. All right. I'll put it in the link. And this was a huge um, – fight because uh the lesson i learned in this fight was pretty pretty notable right, i'm gonna put this right here this should be good so if you guys can watch this on your own free time i put it in the the, the post it in the chat right there and we went back and forth Good stand-up uh, exchange. I fought back up to my feet once, I think. Um, and then he threw a knee up to my chest, and I followed that knee down, and he threw one right after. It was like double knee, and I ate a big, fat knee, and I face plunged. And that was an important fight for me um, because it showed me how important it was to be a full-time trainer, how much it meant to be a full-time training fighter. Like Because Govea was down at ATT. And these guys were kind of sponsored and didn't really have to work. They got to train all day long and, and prepare for their fight. So they had a huge advantage. And um, I also learned that I wasn't a 205 pounder. <laughs> I wasn't a 205 pounder. Uh, Govea was just too big um, looking back at it. I was pudgy at 203 in it for that fight where he, I think, cut down a little bit to make 205. Um also, before that, like the Eric Tix fight, I left this out. I knocked him out with the one punch. He hit the ground. I hit him again when he hit the ground. So once he hit the ground, I broke my thumb. There was no, yeah, Sean Shark is a muscle shark. You guys caught that. Um, the nurse was like, oh, just put some ice on it. It'll probably be fine. It's just swollen. <laughs> no. I, it was broken. I could tell it was broken. You could see the bone 
was was off uh compound right through the through the uh middle and um i ended up talking to i was a grad assistant coach so i had one of the younger guys say we were wrestling on sunday and i broke my thumb i think we got enough time in between now and then we're okay to say that but uh yeah i had to get two pins put in it luckily my my purdue insurance took care of things uh my pins came out like two weeks or my last pin came out two weeks before i went to aka so i was kind of fat out of shape i was 217 when i went up to aka because i i hadn't done anything but lift a little bit um when i had the pins in like halfway through getting them out like one of them worked its way to the surface and through the skin so i had to take pliers and pull i had to pull the the pin out of my thumb by myself that was nasty and then i had to go to the doctor later at the time i was supposed to get it out and he pulled the other one out and uh yeah it was like a week or two later i ended up going to san jose to train so i wasn't like in great shape and me taking the Govea fight was a last minute type thing. Uh, Ebersol was supposed to take the fight and he was supposed to go, but he either got hurt or sick, something happened and he couldn't, he just couldn't make it. So I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll take it. I'll take the money. I could use it. <laughs> Trip to Florida. Let's go, man. Uh, Crazy Bob came to the corner. I met Marie Smith. It was, it was a, a learning, very good learning trip. I was learning as I went. <clears throat> then uh, I decided after that fight, I had to go to San Jose full time. I had to because I just had me training where I was in Indiana. Then I got a fight. Last fight in Indiana before I moved was Salman Hutchinson, who went on to do the ultimate fighter. And I was uh, handedly beating him, took him down, was mounted, beat him up a few times. He scrambled through once and stood up to his feet, and I was still on one knee, and he kicked me in the face. Now, that's a disqualification. I'm sorry. I had a big cut on my face. I couldn't continue. Illegal move, whether he thought I was coming up or not, still illegal. But the promoter decided, the promoter decided I was coming up when he threw the kick. So he called a no contest. The promoter, not the commission, not the referee, not the judges, the promoter. <laughs> and I'm pretty certain that the promoter called a no contest because he didn't have to pay anybody a win bonus. Pretty sure that's what happened. Uh, yes, I did meet uh, Crazy Bob and Josh Thompson. We met. We stayed at their apartment, me and, me and, uh, me and Ebersol. We slept on the floor of their apartment, and they drove us around to train. Oh. all right and so that was a no contest and then after that i go to uh aka after uh, i graduate not graduate but finished a year of grad school um i went to uh yeah finished after I took my last test i packed the car up left the next day so <clears throat> i started training for the jensen fight and that was july 19th and that was um, at a lower weight. We fought at 185, and Jensen was not bad. He was not bad. And I think we fought in a ring, so it was a little bit harder to beat, beat him up as much as in a cage. I think I kind of liked the cages at that time. 
I was still learning a lot. No jujitsu yet, just whatever we did with MMA grappling and submission grappling without a gi. Um, it was okay fight. A little bit reserved. wasn't wasn't the greatest, but it was a big move. I was risking a lot, and I had a lot of pressure on my shoulders because I I had moved all the way across the country to make this change, and uh, it was a big fight. It was supposed to be a big deal. The promoter didn't know what the hell he was doing. He's a young guy, got some money from mom to put this together, got a huge stadium in Chicago that uh, he couldn't afford. He thought he was going to make all his money back on uh, ticket sales. Nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. There's like 50 people. There's like a 5,000-seat arena, like 50 people showed up. And he stiffed everybody. He wrote some bad checks and then disappeared, and some people didn't get any checks. Luckily for me, my uh, manager felt so bad about it. He gave me the 1200 bucks. <laughs> right. So then my next fight, <clears throat> I still hadn't started using the uh, Johnny Cash song yet. Right. I fought Gabe Garcia. Gabe Garcia had some padded statistics for his <laughs> background. And um, I smashed him pretty bad. You can also watch that fight. Um, that's in my that's in my uh on my YouTube. I'll give you another link for that too, guys. There it is. X1. Brian Johnson put this promotion on. <clears throat> and it was a bit of a shit show. But the Japanese had their hands <laughs> in it. So sometimes that happens when the Japanese start messing with stuff. There's a couple of uh, fake fights on the card. This was like uh, partnered with New Japan Wrestling, Pro Wrestling. So they had a pro wrestler fight, one of our guys, and it was fake. He had to like give the guy a choke. He had to like put his hand, he had to like wrap the hands around him because the guy was shitting himself. <clears throat> and then they had this guy who was supposed to lose and throw the fight against a 16-year-old. 16-year-old didn't know, though, so he beat the crap out of him and finished the guy. <laughs> like, knocked him out really bad. He, nobody, nobody told him it was going to be a fake fight. Yeah, there's lots of lots of good stories, guys. Lots of good stories. You guys, read, read all the stuff that Bloody Elbow and John Nash are doing and those guys are doing. We're talking about the emails and stuff. You see some of the dirty crap. I got one email I actually will share from Joe Silva that we can definitely go through. You guys will I get a kick out of it. All right, so I beat Joni Carter. <clears throat> that was uh, not not Joni Carter. I'm sorry. Gabe Garcia beat him up pretty good. They stopped it at 241. Next fight, this is my big break. My big break. Oh, man, you suck. This dumb computer does this weird thing. I'm getting hacked by the Chinese guys. There we go. Are you guys still there? All right. All right. Uh, yeah. So then I got my first big fight, Shoney Carter. And we were worried about the spinning back kick, back fist, you know, a lot. We worked on that type of stuff. 
and um, I beat him up. I beat him up for almost three rounds and took him down uh, with a single leg. My belly, my shoulder landed in his stomach as I took him down, and he um, threw up, rolled over. He tapped out, rolled over, and threw up on the mat. Uh, and then this Kangaura fight, you can't find that anywhere because it was an illegal production <laughs> on a sound studio in L.A., right? They did like 30 fights or 40 fights. They were filming it all to put like two or three DVDs together. Um, they try to keep it quick by making the fights short. It was only um, two-round fights, two five-minute rounds. I beat him up for those two five minutes. If it would have been a third round, he would not have made he would not have made it very far. He took a lot of damage in that fight. He's a tough guy, but he just it was a small like octagon ring thingy. And uh it was like one step and you're in the middle. Uh beat him up on the feet pretty good. Got to takedown, suplexed him, threw him around, beat him up on the ground. It was interesting. I wish that fight could come out somehow. Uh, next fight, right? So the next three fights actually were a tournament. So this is my third time fighting more than once in a night, right? First fight of the night, Mike Seal. Uh, you can see these. You can catch these also on my uh, YouTube channel, guys. Go, you can check them out and watch them. Mike Seal threw a big crazy knee. I, I slipped, grabbed it, put him on the ground, started beating him up on the ground. In this fight, you were allowed to uh, elbow, knee to the head on the ground, soccer kick, and I was allowed to wear my wrestling shoes because we're in Mexico. And uh, I got to the second round, and um, he tapped out. They said injury, but he fought the next night. He wasn't injured. He tapped out because he couldn't get up, and I was kneeing the crap out of his side. And he he just said, I give up because he couldn't do anything. I was just going to keep beating him up in that same position. Um, next fight, the naked man, George Ortiz. This is where sure dogs got it wrong. Okay. So these fights were not five minute rounds. It was four, four minute rounds or four, three minute rounds, something like that. They were trying to keep the fights moving fast. They're trying to do fast standups because they wanted to entice, uh, the, the Mexican fans more because we're in, in Mexico. And, um, I finished him. He didn't want to fight the last round. He had enough. He was done. <laughs> Alex uh, uh, Serdukov was very tough. He had had some good fights, good wins. He would have been somebody who would have definitely made it into the UFC nowadays. Back then, there weren't many, as many fights, so he struggled a little bit, didn't get some of the wins he needed to. But second round, I pinned him in the fence. Um, one time, I actually, he, he I, I do the thing I call, I call baiting, where I, I kind of give up submissions, but I really, I know they're coming, so I take the position, I damage them from the position. So I let him kind of throw a, triangle but i pinned his head in the fence so there's no way to finish and i was able to elbow him cut him up pretty good uh with that he blew his legs out trying to finish the triangle but i i hurt him with the elbows and then eventually i got to a position um with like half guard in the fence and i was able to throw start throwing big knees into his face and uh that was too much and that was the end second round again i don't i don't have a ton of uh you know, decision wins at that point, but they do happen. Um, as you get higher up, I fought my last fight then, July 9th, 2005. The last fight before I um I went to UFC, 
and that was uh, Jeff Jocelyn. Jeff Jocelyn. That was a really tough fight. It's one of the toughest fights I've had. For one, they told me he was a karate guy. So we weren't exactly prepared for him. Um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to stand up. And the whole fight and the whole game plan was stand and bang because he's just a karate guy. <laughs> What's a karate guy do? But it's like sport, like Kyokushin and sport karate where they're actually sparring and fighting. And his dad was somebody who like fought professionally in kickboxing and stuff. So like he had a lot of experience. He ended up fighting Koscheck in UFC, but Koscheck was able to nullify him and take him down. But he was tough, man. He's one of those guys, too, that given a better chance, he probably could have made some waves and like won some serious fights. But he ended up getting concussions and having to pull out of the sport. All right, that's, that's the uh, pre-UFC career. <clears throat> it's a pre-UFC career. I think maybe... Um, Let's stop there. Let's come back another night and do UFC career and post-UFC career, right? We can do that. So you guys have a nice base insight of what I did before, right? Before I uh, got into the UFC, what that looked like. <sighs> and then... I want to show, before we go, this gem of an email, All right? This gem of an email from Joe Silva to my manager. You guys tell me what you can make of this. <clears throat> okay. This is the, the tactics that the UFC would use with fighters all the time. All right. Where is it? Oh, there it is. So this is Joe Silva to Crazy Bob. Okay. And they're talking about no contract negotiations. So my contract, right? My first few fights were... One fight deals. I fought <clears throat> Brock Larson first. That was three and three for Brock Larson, pretty sure. Uh, and then I fought Josh Berkman, who I finished in the second round. And that was, um, I think, six and six. Right? And then I fought Tiago Alves. And see, I don't know. See, you know what? I'm, it might have been, I might have fought two and two. Or it might have been three and three and then five and five. And then six and six or seven and seven, something like that. But so we're talking about uh, the Hiranaka fight, all right? Because they're trying to sign me for a three fight deal after I fought those three first times and I had won, all right? So this is the language that he's using. Um, after I've had, you know, three great performances, they brought me in to lose against uh, Brock. I won a decision at a higher weight class. Then I get a fight at my weight class. I finished two guys that they were pushing, they thought had big things going for them. So it was a really good start, <clears throat> but this is what um, Joe writes to Bob. It says, I am willing to jump Fitch up. Well, you can't highlight. Okay. To eight and eight, 10 and 10, 12 and 12.
but it does not change for a title fight, right? So what he's saying right there is that if uh, if somehow I uh, get a chance to fight for a title within that three fight deal, like it doesn't change. So if I have a great performance, my next fight, and they're like, you got to fight for the title. I go out there, I win the title. I'm still making 10 and 10. I don't get to renegotiate for a title shot. That, that's what he's saying right there. Okay. And then uh, next line says a title fight is an opportunity for him, not the other way around. If he becomes the champ, it makes him more valuable, not just fighting for it. So, right, I got to do it again. A title fight is an opportunity, not the other way around, for him. Opportunity for him. You don't, for their perspective, their attitude, you do not earn title shots. They're not earned. They're granted. They're opportunities given. Does that sound like a sport to you? Is, is uh, <clears throat> who's the big shots now? Like Mahomes or whatever, is he... Granted the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, to play in the playoffs, or did he win? Did he win? And that did it. <clears throat> hmm? Which one? How does sports work? Is it about winning? Or is it about somebody giving you an opportunity? Danny Arnold, you're a saint. This is a little something towards the Berman Fund, my friend. Merry Christmas. I had some eggnog with some brandy earlier today. It was delicious. Yep. That's what I say. <clears throat> That's what I say. Caravaggio, let the best man win. That's what sports is about. That's what sports is about. The best guy moves forward. You win, you go forward. Not to them. That's not what they say. That's not how it's supposed to work. No, we give you the opportunity. That sounds like a, you're casting a role. You're casting. Right? It sounds like it sounds like entertainment only. It sounds like a production. You're producing something, so you you give opportunities. You're given an opportunity to act in a in a role, aren't you? In a movie. All right, and then this is the highlighted part. Okay, this is this is the part that's highly illegal. Okay, illegal part of the contract. Right, he says. Plus, you know, I would renegotiate with him before giving him a title fight to make sure he is tied up. They are admitting guilt. He is admitting guilt right there of wrongdoing going to tie you up. He means that he's going to prevent you from leaving when you're at your most valuable. You win the title, you have leverage to negotiate for more money, and they prevent that by tying you up. Rusty Fuel, what's up, buddy? Thank you very much. Saying Merry Christmas, God bless. Same to you. Hope life is good. 100%. Everything is, we're doing you favors. Floodland says they are very adversarial right from the start. We are doing you a favor. Wait till you get to the rest of this, guys. Wait till you get, it even gets worse. It gets worse. All right. More guilt right here, right? Then he goes into saying Paul is getting paid very well, right? That's Paul Bonatello. It's like, why the hell is he talking about Paul Bonatello 
on my contract negotiations. What the hell do they have to do with each other? Why the hell would that matter? You're negotiating my contract. Why are you bringing up Paul Bonatello? That sounds weird. He goes, you know, I have taken good care of him. He fought one really tough guy and got Cato in 15 seconds. That's Arvlosky. Remember, he had a title shot versus Arvlosky. He got one punch, knocked out. It was terrible. He worked really hard for that. He was doing great. His nerves got to him a little bit. He got caught. Right? But Joe's saying he's taking care of him. He's being a good, good promoter to him. So you need to chill out with this other guy. Okay? Like, hey, we took care of that guy. Shut up about this guy. Is that how negotiations are supposed to go? If if there's a, an NFL player who has the same manager as another player on the team, does the does the NFL or do the team does the team owner negotiate like that? Well, hey, I gave your other guy this. Is that allowed? Am I am I in the wrong? Somebody educate me. Maybe I'm wrong. That sounds not not very scrupulous, right? Um, then he goes, and this is even more illegal. Okay. This is, this is, this is where it really gets salty. He says, we handpicked Aldana for him to get him back on the winning track. They, so they picked a guy that they knew he could, they picked a guy to lose. Isn't that leveraging a fight? We, pick, we picked an easy fight for him. We picked somebody for him to beat up. Isn't that, isn't that like manipulating? Right? Because people bet on these. People bet on these fights. And they push the fight. They sell the fight to the fans as this is an equally matched bout. We don't know who's going to win. Anything could happen. But they're saying straight up, no. We're rigging the fight. We're rigging the fight to make sure your guy wins to take care of him because we're being nice. We're being nice, man. Look how good and nice we are. Screw screw paying your other fighters more money. We set your other guy up to win. How many of your favorite fighters who get knockouts and, and highlight finish things didn't have made up, set up fights against the bums just to give them that highlight knockout? How much of it is even real? Starting to, it's not starting to, this stuff's been going on a long time. This is way back in uh, the 2000s. This is like, this is, this is in the 2010-ish, somewhere like that. Even before, this is, this is wild. Um, so yeah, so they're going to feed him somebody they think they know he's going to beat. I've said it before, like, these guys are going to the UFC PI. And they're getting all of their stuff recorded. They know all of this stuff. They know all of their 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 benefits, their their 
things that they have trouble with. They know about their injuries, the VO2 max, their blood type, all this testing. How do they not? Are, are you really thinking like we know right here? There's proof. They set a guy up to lose against Paul Winatello. They knew he was going to get beat up against Paul, and they did it. How how you think they're not doing that now with all this extra information? Uh, I don't know, I got a bridge to sell you. All right. He also says here, let me share. We handpicked Aldana for him to get back on the track. I did it on the last fight of his deal, not trying to get him beat on his last fight and being done with him. Right? I'm doing you a favor. I did him a favor. I gave him an easy win. Do him a favor. Look how good I am. Look how nice I am. I'm such a great guy. Quit arguing with me about money, bro. So I thought you guys realized that and it wouldn't be a problem. Now he's making threats. I didn't think it was going to be a problem. Right? And he gets worse. Even he says, if I knew it was going to be like this, I would have got him someone tougher. My fault. I can offer him 14, 14, 17, 17, 20, 20 in addition to his current sponsorship. They didn't have anything to do with my sponsorship. They're throwing that out there like, hey, you're already getting money from outside sources. You don't need money from us. <laughs> like, you didn't find us the sponsors. You didn't go out and make calls. You didn't go out and try to try to get these people and have dinner with them and and and, and convince them that you're going to bring enough eyeballs to their product that, that it mattered. But, but you got your sponsors. What do you need money for us from? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you guys are crazy. <laughs> it's the insanity. <sighs> He says, this is very fair. It's very fair because I said so. I said it was fair. <laughs> this is very fair. You know that no one expects him to ever be the champ right now. Why? Why? I was winning fights. I was beating the guys that they thought I wasn't going to beat, and I was doing it well. But he's just trying to shit on me to, to give him more leverage in the negotiation. So hopefully he can change that perception. But that is what it is now. So the money is very fair. If one of these new shows is willing to pay more, fine. But there is no telling how long they will be around. And that's, that's the mighty midget, Joe Silva. making threats telling you he did favors for you to get guys to win against other guys meanwhile selling to you the fans that the fight was an equal matchup and then you're betting on those things you're betting on it you're you're spending your money the bookies are in on it Ca casinos are in on it it's not exactly a fixed fight but what would you call it you know that this guy is not going to beat this guy. You have a lot of understanding about the sport and knowing that, hey, man, yeah, he might have like a 10% chance of winning, but that's not a sport matchup. It's not a fair matchup. It's like you're setting the guy up. You want him to lose. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And the truth is, if you're the other guy, because I was that guy, I was the guy that they were supposed to have beat. If you're that guy who's supposed to get beat and you win, now you're on the shit list, and they're going to do everything they can to get rid of you. You're like, fuck this guy. They, like Joe Silva hated being wrong. He thought he had, uh, he had a superiority complex and Napoleon syndrome at the same time. 
thought he was the smartest man in the world when it came to fights. Only I can pick the greatest fights. And um, so if he picked it wrong and the and and you you won when you were supposed to lose, he was gonna make it rough for you. It was like I was like fucking his girlfriend in front of him. You embarrassed him. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's wild stuff, man. It's wild. It's wild. I don't know what to say. It's wild. Um Yeah, guys. I um that was fun. That was fun. It's a Christmas special. The Fitchmas Spectacular was pretty great. Thanks for watching, guys. Yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. But at the same time, there are levels to this game. And a lot of times you can tell. You know, um, I made a lot of people money back in the day because they would text me who you got in these fights because we've trained with some of those guys and we know guys who train with those guys and we all talk and everybody kind of knows what's going on. And there's a lot of times where the UFC is pushing somebody hard that you know they know that guy's not going to win. And they're just doing it because they're trying to set up the guy they want to set up to have a, a big finish. <coughs> Possibly. I got to get back to training. Would I do sports jiu-jitsu? That's what Michael's asking. Yeah, maybe. I just need uh, I need to get to training more, right? And, uh, yeah, it's a break. I'm having a break because it's Christmas. But, uh, yeah, the, the booze, no more booze. We had just a little bit of booze in New York and then a little bit of booze tonight. But, yeah, the Christmas, we're, we're starting completely dry we're getting there baby steps baby steps i'm gonna leave you guys with the beautiful rendition of last christmas all right guys last christmas i gave you my heart and the very next day gave it away this year save me from tears i'll give it to someone special Last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Once bitten and twice shy, I keep my distance, but you still catch my eye. Tell me, baby, you recognize me. Well, it's been a year and it doesn't surprise me. Happy Christmas, I wrapped it up and sent it with a note saying, I love you, I meant it. Now I know what a fool I have been, cause kiss me again, now you'd fool me again. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart and the very next day, you gave it away. This year, Save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, and the very next day, you gave it away. This year, save me from tears, 
give it to someone special. Yeah. Give it to someone special, guys. Nice and deep. Thanks for uh, stopping through, saying what's up. I appreciate you. Um, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, uh, a, a spectacular New Year. <sighs> There's not any fights for a minute, huh? No fights for a minute. So we may have to have another show or a call-in show or something next week. And uh, <sighs> it'd be good. We'll figure it out. We may maybe we'll do part two of the uh, the career rewind, right? Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll get into the UFC career, and you can kind of see, right? Pre pre UFC, like I've got multiple knockouts inside of twelve seconds. That's pretty 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 good. <laughs> I think. What was it? Right? Yeah, I had. Uh, um, 10 seconds for Alvarez, less than a minute finish over Hart, seven seconds, Eric Ticks. Um, what was the other fast one? Those are the two fast ones, right? 10 and seven. Yep. Those are the fast ones. Let's double check, make sure I don't have any. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. We'll get into that next time. We'll be able to get into that next time. Looking over that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, thanks for watching, guys. Make sure you're uh, liking, sharing, subscribing. Check out the programs before. I got... Uh, I got uh, coaching stuff available, all right? I've been working with uh, Coach Gloy and teaching him the Fitch Mash system. I'm writing it up as we go, so I'm, I'm doing it at a, at a cheaper price to get it going, and um, you can get in on that. So hit me up, ask about it, and we'll teach you some Fitch Mash stuff. All right, guys? Thanks for watching, and I will...